Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Staub. We are attorneys here of Pasha Law PC, practicing in California, Illinois, New York, and Texas. Welcome to the podcast. Yep, and this is where we discuss business in the news and add our legal twist. And today we are talking about Amazon.com. .com. Never heard of it. And how they're, no, no, it's a, it's a website that uh, sells stuff. Okay. And eBay. Apparently, all these guys go on there and they sell stuff, but Amazon is apparently terminating and suspending some of those sellers' accounts somewhat arbitrarily, hundreds by the day, apparently. Let me just do a quick rundown here of kind of what's going on. So, please do. I was just joking for, for people maybe listening for the first time, but <laughs> I, 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 think they, I think they know that you knew what Amazon was, but sorry to interrupt you, but <laughs> literally yesterday, I picked up, it was, I was thinking about it because I knew you were going to cover this today. I think it was around 25 different packages from Amazon with no exaggeration. And the reason is because, and I think I talked about this last day, we're, ex- we're expecting, and so we had a whole list of things that we're buying and we've been waiting for a while just to figure out because we're also moving. And so, okay, let's just go ahead and buy it now. And so they all came within, you know, 24 hours. So I picked it all yesterday. I think a couple of packages are arriving today still, but. Was that Amazon Prime? Yeah, it was Amazon Prime. Okay. Two-day shipping. Yeah, I'm contemplating getting that myself. So we'll have to talk after this to see. We'll discuss it afterwards. Okay. <laughs> well, so for those of those who aren't familiar, as familiar with Amazon. Th- those of you who are, don't live on planet Earth. <laughs> so Amazon has thousands of third-party sellers who utilize their marketplace as a storefront, some of which I imagine probably have actual storefronts as well. But you know, for the most part, this is mostly e-commerce. And so some of these small businesses, as you alluded to, are saying that their accounts are being suspended with little notice and very few options of recourse, and what some are calling arbitrary suspensions. A recent conference for online entrepreneurs and sellers in Seattle pitted the sellers against Amazon with hundreds of vendors and merchants expressing their concern over these suspensions, noting that they live in fear of being unable to sell on their site. And we'll get into why that's an issue here because you might think, well, it's just one site. So why not sell somewhere else like their own site, for example, but Amazon, you know, this is, it's a very impactful site for, for these businesses. A recent Wall Street Journal interview, a vice president of Amazon said sellers report an average of 50% increase in sales from when they join Amazon's marketplace and use its storage and shipping services. So pretty substantial. Yeah, and they've made it so easy for sellers to enter into this because not only, if you think about it, if you have something to sell, not only will they take care of the merchant processing, but also the inventory cracking, the shipping, the even the storage. In fact, they Amazon prefers you to ship your supplies to their fulfillment center so that as soon as someone purchases it, they can easily ship it. So I mean, it's not only do they make it easy for you, you also get that marketing available that you wouldn't get if you just had your own website. So it's, it makes sense. Yeah. I think that's kind of the default spot. One of the default sites people go to to buy something. Yeah. So these business owners that are affected by this saying they're losing hundreds of thousands in sales, which could definitely be the case for some of them, due to these suspensions. And what some sellers are having a problem with is they're getting suspended for things like a customer complaint, an alleged breach of service, 
with Amazon. They feel like there's no way to defend themselves or prove their innocence. So really what's happening is third-party sellers get suspended, denied, or banned by Amazon each day. And so there's, it's, it's really three different levels. And real quick, suspension means that you'll have a chance to appeal. You'll need to work out a plan of action. And so that's kind of the lowest level or the least suspended, even though it's called suspension. But notice that the first step is not a warning, it's suspension, right? It, go, it goes straight goes straight to suspension, which is part of the complaint of some of these sellers. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into this later, but it's the, the thought of guilty until proven innocent almost is how, how this yeah. seems to be <laughs> flipped the, the typical status here. So that's, that's kind of the uh, lowest level. In the middle, we have denied, which account denied means your appeal was rejected but you still have a chance to submit a revised plan of action. And we'll, we'll get into some detail on that as well. Worst, worst case here is ban, right out banned. Basically, you're off of the marketplace and either you know your appeal has failed more than once. And in most cases, Amazon won't take your calls or even read your emails is what's being reported here. So this has led to some interest and support from lawyers across the nation, as well as internationally, who are looking to help sellers when they get suspended or have some sort of similar issue with Amazon. And, and here's the thing is that I've seen sellers react in many different ways. And probably the, the first reaction for those aren't familiar with the industry is going to be, how can Amazon do this? Espe- like, and just as an example, Amazon will suspend your account. And, and Matt's already talked about a few of the reasons, but let's just say that you get a couple bad reviews. And the bad reviews could be from your competitor. It could be fake reviews, it could be true, it doesn't really matter, but it'll trigger, it could trigger an automatic suspension depending upon, you know, whatever Amazon's triggers are and their algorithm. Now, your account is suspended. Now, if you, it doesn't matter if you've been with them for years, you have a good reputation, and, but if you're doing a ton of business, you have an, a whole business that's relying upon Amazon and they terminate you, what do you do? And some people think that they have a right to be a partner with Amazon, but the reality is, is that Amazon is not your partner. They're not. They, you should not consider Amazon as a selling partner for the very reason that basically they can terminate the contract for any reason whatsoever at their sole discretion. Yeah, we can get into some of the specifics of the actual, what they, what they call the uh, participation agreement. But yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And I don't necessarily view it as a partner. I, I just viewed it more as a platform, which you know, makes sense if they call it the Amazon marketplace. It's a spot to, I mean, think about it this way. From a brick and mortar store, do you view your landlord as your partner in business? Or do you... Yeah view it as an opportunity to, you know, sell your product. And that's, I mean, obviously it's not the same, but it's a similar idea. That's a good point. It's, it's as if you have a retail store, but instead of a long-term lease, you have a month-to-month contract that your landlord or you can terminate at any time. Yeah. So let's jump into this participation agreement, which, <laughs> no, just to comment on it, it sounds like a, something you would give a, a child, like here's your participation agreement. Yeah. <laughs> Participation is such a weird word for this. I mean, I also hear see that when you talk about in-network contracts, when it comes to healthcare practitioners, they call it participation agreements. And so in a way, it's it's similar. It's like, okay, you're joining this Amazon network of sellers. And so if, you're, if you want to be part of the club, 
you have to be part, you know, abide by their rules. And you are in the Amazon world. And so, you know, Amazon is, has a focus on customer service and they feel that the best marketplace is a, is a competitive one, which is reasonable. And that's why we as customers, that's why I went to Amazon to buy 25 different products because it is reliable. The shipping's reliable. If I have any issues, I know I can return it. I get what I'm expecting. And so in order, to, and, and with, with great, good prices, mm-hmm. but in order to create that environment, Amazon has become more and more strict, especially as, as it's become more competitive among sellers to abide by these rules. And they have, besides the participation agreement, they have about maybe 20 other legal agreements, including everything from how to set your fees, product guidelines, how you market, everything from IRS reporting, tax calculations, all that stuff's in there. And it's quite a mess if you really want (laughs) to dive deep into it. Yeah, I mean, from a consumer's perspective, it's pretty nice, other than the fact that, at least least in my neighborhood, the the main Amazon van or tr- that drives around us apparently cannot figure out there's other vehicles on the road and just will drive at any time, anywhere. So <laughs> other than that, is it an actual Amazon van or UPS or some? It's, or? it is, there's one that drives around that has, it's uh, just a white van with like a Amazon sticker on the side of it. So a little sidebar here last night. So as I, you know, get 25 different packages, it came at regular hours to UPS, but then at like, 738 I get a call and the caller ID says Amazon Prime and then I'm like okay I'll answer it and apparently it was this regular Amazon driver that was delivering one of the packages and I'm like and I I'm like why is this not going through UPS and they're like oh well I'm an independent contractor delivering for Amazon or something like that so I thought that was interesting maybe you knew that already but I didn't know that makes sense so I guess they have their own private contracting delivery force as well yeah well, so let's explain why Amazon's able to do this. And you really don't have to look much farther than the the vague language in their participation agreement, which is perfectly acceptable because people want to sell there. But a couple clauses in particular, there's something about the res- uh, reservation of rights and then their termination clause. So in a couple excerpts here, Amazon retains the right in our sole discretion to withhold for investigation, refuse to process, restrict shipping destinations for stop and or cancel any of your transactions you will stop and or cancel orders of your products if we ask you to do so so i mean that's (laughs) simon says you do it yeah so and to couple of that is their termination that in its sole discretion may terminate this participation agreement access to the site or the services or any current fixed price sales immediately without notice for any reason also in its sole discretion may prohibit any seller from listing items for fixed price sales so I mean, and similar to like a, if you've ever read the terms of service for a site, I mean, it's not uncommon to see something similar that the site owner can terminate access or, you know, whatever it's providing for any reason without notice. And I mean, I guess the fact that I, I would assume most sellers probably don't read this participation agreement, or if they do, they just don't really care because they understand that, you know, they can have significantly more sales if they sell through Amazon's marketplace. Maybe some do, but it it almost doesn't. Ma- I think maybe not the participation agreement. They probably read the guidelines, or at least at least yeah. if you're a seller, you need to read their rules, you know. And because if you don't abide by their rules, and and they can be tricky. Like for example, you can get suspended if you send an email to one of the 
persons that bought your product and try to sell them on something else, or you try to divert them to, oh, you like this product? Yeah, I, I sell fish bowls. And if if you want to buy a bunch of different fish bowls or different fish gear, I you know go to fishbowls.com, which I own, by the way. No, I don't. But <laughs> directing them away from amazon.com could also be a violation. In fact, it is a violation of their terms, and you can easily get suspended for that. But it's it may be as benign as that. And so, of course, you need at least you need to understand the rules. If you you know you don't need to read the legalese of this participation agreement, I suppose. Right, right. You actually own fishbowls.pizza, of course. So <laughs> that pizza, yeah, of course, exactly. So, like you, you just kind of mentioned, and you in previously as well, these community rules with Amazon for both consumers and sellers. So, I mean, really, it boils down to a couple major ones. You know, honor your commitment to buy or sell. All right, that's pretty obvious and should be how anyone conducts business. Maintain current account information, ditto. If you have removed your selling, if your privileges to sell have been removed, do not open a new selling account. That's probably, that one's probably not as obvious for a seller. That I think the first, the first thing somebody would do when they're, you know, they're, let's say your account gets suspended, you, you're probably thinking one of two. Or banned. Or banned, yeah. one of two things. Try to figure out a way to fix it and or open up a new account. So that might not come as so obvious. And then do not misrepresent yourself. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's just a, breaking the law misrepresentation yeah that's a, just a general rule in general but but actually amazon is pretty tricky when it comes to creating a new account i mean they track bank accounts your ip address your actual mailing address street address that you provide them so like i'm not advocating this but if you need to create a new seller's account and you have been banned it requires you know working in a completely different location working through a different entity that is not associated with yourself, different phone number, different IP address that you log in to access your Amazon seller account, which I've heard people use, you know, virtual private networks just to access because they've been banned and so they're going to a different account. And like I said, once you've been banned, it's 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 kind of it. And sometimes it's not necessarily the seller's fault. It could be just by mistake or something yeah. that they weren't able to appeal. They didn't, you know, consult a lawyer perhaps to figure out a way to, you know, get out of that situation properly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Amazon is pretty straightforward. It says violations of our participation agreement, which those rules I just read are part of, can result in removal of your selling privileges. But some other things, what are, you know, so what are the kind of the main things that can result in a seller's, you know, either being suspended or banned? Boils down to a couple of categories here: poor performance, violation of policies, or restricted products. Which restricted products are probably things you would expect, more or less. So, yeah, it, it, of course, but also it can be what they consider counterfeit stuff too. Yeah, and that can get tricky because you know a lot of people now they buy stuff from Alibaba or buy it wholesale, and sometimes even the sellers may not know that it's counterfeit. And I had a personal experience with a client that the DVDs that they were selling were technically counterfeit, but if you look at them, the box, the DVD, they were perfect copies. And even the inspector, like the only way that they actually know is by through some substantial testing. And we've seen documentaries how like in China, you know, the counterfeit iPhones that they sell are not really counterfeit because 
They're using the same kind of supplies and, and manufacturing techniques that they use to make iPhones in China. And so it can be even, you know, a mistake. But once it's reported as counterfeit, you know, it may be an, become an automatic ban. Yeah. It reminds me of earlier this week, I paid with something with a $10 bill and the cashier kind of took it and was like examining it. It's like, well, it's as far as I know, it's legitimate. I don't know. It's a place I go all the time. He's like, well, I, I know where to go to if it's, if it's not, if it's counterfeit. I never see people check $10 bills. Not that $10 is still a lot of money, but. He said it felt weird and then he gave it to me. I was like, I guess it does feel a little weird, but it looked legit. And I think it was just very new. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. And you don't see, you know, you don't see a lot of $10 bills. Doesn't, there's not a lot of them out there. That's true. A lot of cashiers run out of $10 bills quickly. Yeah. So little known fact, Yeah, a tip for, for business owners out there, store plenty of $10 <laughs> store, bills. store extra $10 bills. Exactly. I'm sure they already know that beside, without us telling them. So, I mean, we mentioned a few, but just to hit a hit on these quickly or a few items real quick. So uh, in addition to some of the things we already brought up, you brought up the counterfeit things, you know, trying to divert transactions or buyers in any way, you know, inappropriate email communications. You touched on that. Having multiple seller accounts, we we mentioned that. That's a, that's a big no-no with them. Manipulating rankings, which is pretty interesting. Now it's a little bit more complex, I suppose, but uh, you know, it's another thing that can get you banned. And then, yeah, because what even and you can do that by manipulating your prices, and like they'll even they'll even ding you possibly by you know if you start selling your product at a very low price, they may even just assume that you're selling something counterfeit because it's like. There's no way you can sell this for that amount of money based upon what we know of that product unless it's a stolen item or if it's counterfeit because otherwise you won't make any money. And so if you think about it, and I've even heard that now, like if you want to sell, you know, certain products, like a a good example is if you want to sell like a Samsung charger or a Samsung battery replacement, whatever it is, you know, some kind of brand that you actually have to show Amazon proof by showing some kind of invoice that you are buying from the manufacturer. And not only that, is that you may have to actually pay a fee like $1,500 or so to have the right to do that, which is a little off-putting to some sellers because some sellers in Amazon, what they do is they find deals, right? They find ways to get licensed real products at a lower rate. Like for example, they'll go to, they'll, you know, they'll buy inventory of a closed down store and they're all genuine products, but in order to sell some of those products, Amazon won't allow you unless you get you know, proof that somehow these are actually gen- genuine products. It's interesting because I don't know, think this would fall under the predatory pricing where the typical old school way of you know, pr- undercutting your competitors to get them out of the market. Yeah. This is just to get people to buy it and maybe get favorable reviews. I mean, maybe <laughs> we know how the law works with technology and the evolution of you know, how long it'll take to get that built into being illegal or being, of course, you know, an issue. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting component. So, all right. So let's say you have, I know you have your uh, fishbowl company you're running, yeah. fishbowls.pizza, and you sell on Amazon Marketplace. And let's say you get no notice, you just get your account get suspended. You know, what's what are the steps you're going to take in order to fix this problem? So first things first is I would panic. (laughs) And and usually I I say that as a joke, but I'm kind of serious because once you receive that suspension, it's really bad news. And so you only have really one or maybe two good shots to try to get your, you know, your account back. 
And so really the first thing is to determine is why were your selling privileges removed? You know, we went through the different rules and so forth and see what it was. And it may be something like we've talked about, something that may not, not have been your fault. And we'll talk about it exactly what to do. But in the notice itself, it should describe, give you an idea of what the reason is. And at that point, there's pretty much, I, I, I believe there's some way to communicate. Like you, as a seller, like you have a dedicated seller's line that you can call for questions and so forth. But once you get suspended, they will not take any communications besides email. That is their policy, and it's, and it's just how they work. So that's the first step, figure out why you were suspended. Yeah, I mean, in order to solve the problem, you have to figure out what the problem is. I mean, that's, that should be pretty straightforward. You know, and it's, I think in, in doing this, you know, and part of it should be, I, I guess if you're selling a lot, that's, this probably isn't the issue, but, you know, if you review your, your metrics of what you're selling and maybe it is a performance issue and, you know, maybe based on, you know, poor performance that they're saying that Amazon's saying you violated their, their policy and that's the reason behind this uh, suspension or ban, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. And so depending upon what, what the actual reason is, is, is how you kind of react. But I'll tell you how n- not to react, at least, <laughs> is even if you think you did nothing wrong, remember that this is Amazon's world, okay? You are working within their universe. And so it, it kind of doesn't really matter whether you are right or wrong. And it kind of sucks in that respect, but because they, are, they have all the bargaining power, it's up to you to convince them to take you back on. And so from their perspective, Amazon is like, all we care about is a good customer experience. So if and, and, and a perfect transaction is such that Nasser Pasha buys something from Amazon, it gets delivered to his house, and we don't hear from, it, from him again unless it's on a podcast, right? And, and that's a perfect world. If I complain that the shipment was late or if the package was damaged or what have you, that is not a smooth transaction. So accordingly, what Amazon's most of the time, their expectation from you to get your account back is some kind of corrective action plan. They want to know what remedial action are you going to take in order to fix and prevent the problem from ever occurring again? And it sounds simple, but you have to be persuasive. And, and we've actually found that doing a formalized corrective action plan actually is very helpful. And if you can get that on an attorney's letterhead, even better. I, I think it's more than just helpful. I, it's, <laughs> it seems like it's the only thing you can do to correct the problem. I mean, it's... You're, you're right. I, I have not, I've not known anyone that's been able to say, hey, Amazon, you made a mistake. I didn't really do this. This customer, I have proof that this customer got his product and, and I know when I packed the product, it was fine. So it's not, that, that is not going... I, I've not seen Amazon have a positive reaction to that. Yeah, and you're you know what you said is exactly right. It's kind of take responsibility for you know. All right, we already said you know the first steps. Figure out what you did wrong and how you're going to correct it. But take responsibility for that. You know, don't blame or criticize Amazon to any extent, and then explain how you have corrected the issue, and 
know, like you said, put it and do it in a formal process. And, you know, that's really the way to go about it. You know, and just it's it's kind of the the saying, uh, you know, the customer's always right. But I mean, it's kind of like that. But I guess Amazon's always right, right? Yeah, not reversed, but you know, it's it's a convoluted triangle of whatever. So no, it's true. I mean, Amazon is practically your customer, and you have to satisfy them. Yeah, and I, we've seen we've had people contact us saying, you know, they want to sue Amazon because of this stuff. And okay, I personally haven't been able to find a viable legal theory, but and maybe it's out there. But in general, it's like Amazon told you the rules. These are the rules. Even if we don't like your face, we can terminate for any reason at our sole discretion of our interpretation. And we don't have any obligation. Being an Amazon seller is not a right. Right. And so, you know, we can terminate this contract at any time. So according to those rules, if they terminate the contract, you can't force them. Now, if they don't pay you what you're owed and things like that, but the reality is, is that once you're terminated, in fact, you are you are given what you owed right away, except that there, there's this nuance that, like, I guess if you have seller credits through Amazon, you may lose that, you know, if it's not real money, but that's a different issue. But my point being is that, you know, they make a very smooth split once this happens. Right, and unless they made one of those kind of mistakes that you just mentioned, or not mistakes, but, you know, unless they did something wrong where they were supposed to do something, all it is is they're terminating their agreement with you, which they're perfectly entitled to do, essentially with no, you know, not essentially with no notice for any reason. So, you know, unfortunately for you as the business owner, it's, that's, I don't know how you're going to sue for breach of contract. <laughs> I mean, there's always a creative thing that somebody can come up with, but, you know, it's, it's not your typical resolution process when you feel like you've been slighted. And but at the same time, you know, we're talking about this, and I'm and I'm kind of painting a bleak picture because I, I just want everyone to understand that once you go through this, and those of you are, that are listening that are Amazon sellers or thinking about getting into, or actually have gone through it, the odds are stacked against you. And so at this point, if you have a profitable business prior to the suspension, it's a matter of okay. I need to take this seriously. I can't just shoot off an email. That'll count as your appeal. You don't want to do that. And you don't want to rely upon that second appeal either. You know, generally, like we talked about, you get an appeal and then it's denied. And you, you generally, this is our understanding, is you, you still have a chance to submit a revised plan of action. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily rely on that because, again, it's up to Amazon. Their policies can change at any time. And in the past year, just the year alone, they've become more and more strict. People get banned every single day, suspended and banned every single day. Just look, just search Amazon forums, you know, you'll see it all. Yeah, I have to imagine a common thing would be business owner's account gets suspended. You know, they, they see this opportunity to appeal, throw something together in five minutes in, a, in an email, and they miss, I mean, there, there might be a second opportunity. But you know that you miss that first you miss that first chance, and it's just because you didn't put any thought into it, because you just think, well, this isn't fair. They screwed this up, you know. And I bet a lot of people take the go on the attack as well, which are everything I just mentioned are things you don't want to do. That's right. I think I'm going to stop selling counterfeit fish bowls. <laughs> what do you think? I guess a fish bowl would be branded. But yeah, they're they're actually not fish bowls or aquariums. They're actually terrariums. So technically, counterfeit. But yeah, so I think that's good. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. 
The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.